The opinions expressed on this podcast should be construed only as the opinions of the respective opiners, and some content may not be appropriate for Little Dragons. Discretion is advised. I can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work. Determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to Hiya, the only podcast that's broadcast for the badass with a brain and hopefully a sense of humor. Episode 48, recorded January 21st, 2014 starts now. Okay, thanks guys. No. Right now. Has it started yet? (laughs) It's a shit, it's over, Bruce. (laughs) Oh shit. When is now anyways? Back then. When, what, where, why, how? Who, what? So, when, what, where, why? what are we doing here? Yeah. Who, what, when, where, why? You know what? How? Yeah. <laughs> Who, what, when, where, why, how? Busy town, baby. <laughs> busy town mysteries, my friend. <laughs> yes, indeed. Busy town mysteries. We got some busy town mysteries going on over here, too. We got uh, Bruce Ryder. Hiya. How's it going? On vacation, baby. Rocking the station. <laughs> Yes, vacation is good. I just made that up. <laughs> Keep going. I stopped there. And guess what? I know y'all recognize that voice. It's your irregular co-host. Who is that? Swooping back in from the wings <laughs> to ring your dings. Say hello to Craig Keesling. Hi, hello, Craig. Hello, and hiya. <laughs> so, uh, you've been walkabout for a while, but you're coming back strong. The first thing I want to touch on here, very first thing right out of the box, Craig, you got some new ideas. Yes, I do. So uh, why don't you go ahead and give a little preview to the hi listeners out there uh, of what you're working on in the background here. Well, um, working on something. hi Oh, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet? No, nah, well, I, you know, tell you what, we're uh, what we're doing, making a little switch up here tangentially, and I'm working on a little side project that's uh, going a little bit more niche than we do uh, with hi um, getting kind of specific about the Chinese martial arts, um, and even more specifically those in the southeast of the U.S. Um, so very, very, very niche. Um, so, you know, you MMA guys might not uh, be too all up into it. Uh, it's definitely uh, focusing on TCMA. Um, and you know, like I said, in the Southeast United States, but it's going to give me the opportunity to actually do a little traveling and go directly to different teachers for, uh, different interviews and things like that. Um, but it's still going to have a similar feel to Haya, you know, um, casual laid back, kind of silly from time to time. Part of the Haya empire that we're striving to build that will one day achieve world domination. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. About that. Well, don't tell people about that because the cat's out of the... Once the toothpaste is out of the tube, Craig. Well, hey, <laughs> put a lid on it. Put a lid on it. <laughs> okay. keep a, Keeping everything in order here. That's right. That's right. There you go. Um, Bruce, you had a look of saying something on your face. I always have a look of saying something. It's just <laughs> the, how I... <laughs> how he looks. Um, I look like... Um. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Uh, well... On. Well, uh, this uh, a little more housekeeping here at the front of the episode. By the way, we have a discussion topic coming up. What is, uh, what is that? 
It's uh Are we discussing something? Oh hell, I pushed it off the front page with my note. Hang on. <laughs> Let me see exactly how I worded this, because that's important in a court of law. Okay. It's power versus precision and striking. That's what we're gonna look at. That's gonna be our little subject for this evening. Now is this in reference to Mr. Happy Hands from Son of Anarchy? No, I haven't seen that show actually. You wanna tell me who Mr. <laughs> Mr. Happy Hands Happy is and <laughs> what he does? That? His hands are happy because they're usually down his pants. Oh, you're talking about the... <laughs> yes. Precision yeah. and power, my I think friend. you have to watch the show to understand. That. Yes, you do. I thought you were talking about James McNeil and the splashing hands for a second. Oh, dear <laughs> I God. I got lost. <laughs> no, I, I would pretty much never be talking about that. Well, you know, splashing and happy hands kind of... Ah, true. Together, you know, it's good stuff. Uh, also, I wanted... We got a letter from someone asking... Uh, Said some very nice things and asking uh, if we were gonna do uh, uh, any haka martial arts. Oh, yeah, of course, we're gonna do all kinds of martial arts. We just got to get around to them. It may come as a surprise to you listeners that I don't know everyone in martial arts. <laughs> a oh, few we've got some people, connections. we've got some connections, but uh, anybody sending in any suggestions, don't be afraid to recommend people for us to contact. Yeah, you know, uh, it it'll go on a file somewhere, even if we don't use it then. So, you know, at least give us someone cool to look up on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and shit, we we appreciate direct introductions. If you know somebody you think we ought to be talking to, so definitely, you know, write us about that. You know, we <laughs> don't make us come up with all the damn content because <laughs> we may not be that good at it. That's <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, but more interviews are coming, and also these first few shows back on the air. I wanted to just keep it tight in the family here and, uh, you know, make it easy. So if we screwed something up, uh, we, you know, we'd have no one to blame but ourselves and no one would be that uh, upset about it. I'll take full responsibility. Bruce is actually here to take full responsibility. No wonder. So, Craig, go crazy. (laughs) Hiya! 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 There you go. (laughs) Go as crazy as you can. So... Before we uh, before we leave the intro segment, I've got a little mini topic to throw out here. Um, the knockout game. People the have knockout been game. mentioning this on the the Facebook forum, and and we've seen it everywhere, of course, recently. So, the knockout game. Thoughts, anyone? That's pretty scary. That won't you kids explain would, it real quick? Would, just for would try that game, on. but yeah, yeah. What have you seen the videos of, oh, of yeah. this knockout game? I think we all three know who it is, but there might be some listener. And yeah. well, basically, uh, th- there have been a spate of videos popping up on the internet of uh, apparently random assaults attributed to people playing the knockout game, where the object is to walk up to someone blind on the street and pop them in the face and knock them out if at all possible that's the object of the game get a one-shot knockout and uh there's a harrowing video of someone getting punched in the face out of the blue and falling and apparently killing themselves breaking their neck on a bicycle rack or something oh i missed that one didn't see that one yeah i think that's what started the whole thing actually that was the first one i saw attributed to this phenomena but uh that in a nutshell is what it is, and of course, uh, you know it's got uh, pundits across the nation. Sean Hannity, I've heard, has been raving on about the knockout game and the social political implications therein, and on and on and on. Uh, but the knockout—I have some pretty strong thoughts about this, but I won't let you guys get in there first. Well, I, I think the knockout game, from what I've seen, is 
bored teenagers that just have no respect or understanding of of the consequence of hurting another person you know they so it's it's like a these kids have had no guidance or something i don't know what's wrong with them but it's they're purely fucked up obviously (laughs) obviously something is wrong with these people so we're going to attribute the knockout game to kids these days well i when i say kids i'm referring to somebody that's under 30 okay (laughs) so i i don't think it's children per se but they're young men and you know probably in their i don't know the average age of the person playing the knockout game but well i'm just gonna go ahead and jump in there is no average age of person playing the knockout game while there have been a couple of isolated incidents of this specifically happening what we have is a culture where there are video cameras everywhere in everyone's pocket and the same old assaults that have been going on forever are now getting captured on videotape. I think mm-hmm. the knockout game has just become a convenient framework to hang a bunch of political and social sociological ideology on. Um, it's, it's, it's a collection of nonspecific symptoms that have been given a name. You know, we, we actually live in a less violent world than we did 100 or 200 years ago. And yes, there are random assaults all the time. It occurred to me, and I, there's a good article in Slate Magazine that we'll link to, about how mm-hmm. basically there's no such thing as a knockout game. It's just been hung on activity that's been going on forever because it was there were a couple of incidents that made that possible. I'm going to have to disagree with you a little <laughs> bit um, because I, I get what you're saying. And yeah, definitely there there is uh, that going on, random assaults and stuff like that. But the knockout game is a very real thing. I've seen quite a few videos where it's very specific. Um, the video and, says that. Did the people in the video say that? Oh, yeah. We're playing the knockout no, game? Yeah, I've, I've seen interviews. Yeah, I've, I think the majority of the ones I've seen, it's it's kids that are in the background you can hear them talking and laughing about oh he's stilt on him or whatever you know mm-hmm. well but my argument is that's been going on forever shit I've, I've, I, in 1993 I was walking down the street in New York with a buddy and had two guys run around the corner and run up and one of them hit me in the face as hard <laughs> as he could if that's not the fucking knockout game what is well then Did we call be. it the knockout game then I don't know no regardless well, what it I mean, is they, what, whatever you call it it's I, bad behavior yeah. that's for sure <laughs> that's that's way beyond bad behavior that says something about you know the people involved and how they were raised and what their mindset is yeah i'm just saying there's always been people like that and there always will well there there probably always have been bullies and that's i i think people that play the knockout game are bullies you know and but it's it's a it's a type of it's a type of bullying that, that now with technology with you know video cameras and youtube and such can be you know, even more of a game because you can show the world what you've done instead of just the kids in the playground that are, you know, immediately looking at you. Well, yeah. Right. Well, it's the same thing as with everything else in this world. We think it's more common because you can easily see video of it. No, but the, the I, video I helps is, make it become right. more common, I think. Uh, you get you get kids who have that same kind of mindset but never thought about doing this like, oh, that'd be funny as hell. That'd be great. Right. And go and try it. Well, I'm, I'm going to call you guys back a little bit. Wait, hold on. Let's go back deep, deep into the dark reaches of history. Back to the... Uh... Boom. Dang. <laughs> Boom. Dang. Boom. 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 
<clears throat> no, we're going further back than the 60s. We're going huh. all the way back to uh, 1712, thereabouts. There were gangs, one of them in particular known as the Mohawks. They spelled it H-O-C-K-S. Um, that were running around England at the time, creating terror in the newspapers. And they were playing a game at that time called Tipping the Lion, which meant you would run up and smash somebody's nose flat to their face and either gape their mouth or gouge their eyes at the same time to make them look like a lion roaring. Hmm. And also, I've seen this described in, in other sources as a simple variant of the knockout game, just randomly assaulting people. Yeah, and I, there was something earlier in the U.S., I believe it was up in uh, northeast of, well, I guess that's where this is happening too, or being attributed to, uh, with bottles. People run in and smashing bottles over people. Yeah, uh, just throw a bottle at a stranger. Yeah. Well, we've all seen Trailer Park Boys in Canada. The kids just ride around with a shopping cart full of <laughs> bottles and pelt you with them whenever yeah, they Yeah, 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 <laughs> But uh, I, I think... My whole point I want to make on this is, yeah, there are assaults occurring out there, and sometimes they're intentional, and people are looking to knock you out. But I would be very cautious around the rhetoric that surrounds this notion of the knockout game. Like, what are people trying to use this to sell you? Because assaults have been happening forever, and the rate of violence in in most major American cities is down over the last 20 years, not up, including the knockout game. You right. know, It's just being sort of and plus you know if you have a couple of real incidents you're going to have tons of videos on youtube where kids say oh yeah well let's play the knockout game but really they're not that serious they just scream knockout game they run up and they hit somebody with half their strength and run away cackling or whatever things have a way of memeing up if they catch on and you know this has been adopted by so many different people to mean so many different things i'm just saying take a step back it's simple physical assault most of the police departments that I've been able to find online that have made statements about this are like, we're try- still trying to really determine if this is actually a phenomena or not. You know, Again, a couple of sporadic proven incidences and then lots of other affirmia floating around out there. But look, you, know, you can get punched in the face for no reason on the street. Voila, knockout game, you know. <laughs> I didn't I saw a video the other day. You know, a lot of race has been injected in this and other stuff. I saw a video the other day of somebody and I th- this looked like it was in a Russian bar somewhere, but maybe it was Louisiana. Hell, I don't know. I didn't have the sound on or anything. But they had CCTV of a guy in a bar that was talking to some guy at one end. There were three people, two women and a guy sitting in a row down from him. He gets up, he walks over and bang, 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 punches each one of them in the head. By the time he got to the dude, the dude fought back. Right, of course. And uh, you know, I was like, let that roll. Let's see how that works out. But, you know, um, so this is not something confined, confined to a race or a region or a thing. It's It's just the kind of bullshit assault that assholes have been doing forever. Now they just have more video cameras and a handy tag to hang on it. You know, watch out for the tag. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I agree that it's it's this game, as as we're calling it, the knockout game, was played long before 2013, which was the first time we heard of it being referred to as such. You know, but the this this type of uh, behavior, I think, from a lot of young men is is. I mean, it's happening a lot in America, you know, and it's probably around the world. But does anybody think it's anything new? I don't think it's new, no. No. Other than, other than the way it's being shared with people, which adds a whole other level of humiliation for the victim. 
you know, because it's bad enough when you're a victim of a violent crime, you know, it, the, the actual instance of it happening and experiencing it, but having to relive it and having other people constantly commenting about it and it becoming entertainment. some, some, right. yeah, it, yeah. It becomes entertainment. Some people might be making light of one of the worst moments in your entire life. Yeah. You know, that's true, but it also can make the perpetrators much easier to catch. There were those serial killers and was it, uh, was it Ukraine or Serbia or somewhere? couple of young guys they went around just beating people to death with hammers and pipes and shit and they did this for like two months but they they were prosecuted mostly on evidence of them filming themselves doing this shit on their right. cell phones you go to wikipedia and the picture for these guys is them standing out in a snowy landscape with a blurred out mutilated cat hanging behind them that they hmm. took themselves you know Right. It's it, this videotaping yourself beating people up. Shit, uh, thugs in my day wouldn't video. They wouldn't allow you to videotape and beating somebody up. It's like Probably having not. pants around your knees. You can't run from a crime. What's wrong <laughs> here? What is this? How does but this? There's, there is that. I think we that got the might worst be, criminals ever. I think this might be part of the problem, though, is because there is not. And I don't want to say no consequence, but there's not what I would think is a proper consequence for a lot of actions that people due to other people in america you know i mean you you, there's there's no consequence yeah i think we're more desensitized by a clear two-tier justice system and a fucking you know uh wealth gap that's gotten as bad as the great depression or right before it so you know right politics yeah exactly so we need to move off of this (laughs) but i I think the knockout game is just another piece of bullshit distraction yeah watch out for somebody who wants to knock you out but i don't think this adds or diminishes the violence in the world one iota all right what what about that lady i was just looking on my trusty iphone about that 91 year old woman that shot the person that sucker punched her yeah that's that's a pretty horrific story and it, it wasn't the I mean, some sometimes people just commit violence, you know, for the sake of violence, you know. But sure. he he wasn't robbing her. He wasn't trying to take, you know, her her wallet or whatever so he can buy crack. Who was or he trying to impress? Knocking a ninety-one-year-old in a wheelchair out. He was trying to to impress that. his friends, and that's the sick part of it is that that would be impressive to his friends. Yeah, know? no, like, I'm, I'm certainly not like making you, your the friends. That... Your friends should kick your ass for that one. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Even well, though you birds got shot of a feather probably dead now, but you know. flock together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit of the old ultra violence. Right? My lanky bit. Yeah, <laughs> violence. Well, guys, I don't uh, like violence. <laughs> let's say we uh, mosey on out to the milk bar in the Champagne Lounge and uh, yes. get a, get some refreshments before we dive into the main topic. Some milk of and cookies. Discursion. Moldova milk. Maybe some hot choke hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> That's hot for all you BJJ guys out there. Let's go get a cup of hot chocolate in the champagne well.
Okay, we're back. <laughs> Welcome back. Part two. Yeah, so uh, not only do we have a discussion topic for you tonight, uh, my wife Thais has decided to join us in here too. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> Hiya. We'll have to sample that too, because we're going crazy with the soundboard over here. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to leave that alone for a little while. <laughs> I think. Sure? Moderation. So our, dis- our discussion topic for tonight, folks, power versus precision in striking. Um, so part of the reason I brought this up is because there are a lot of systems that seem to emphasize pretty strongly one way or the other, whether it's more important to be precise or more important to generate lots of power. Um, I think in the end, probably everybody in this room is going to revolve back around to a position where it's like, hey, as much of both as you can get is great. (laughs) But in the interim, I think there's a few things to discuss here. One is uh, power. Okay. Power is great. Uh, And when I say power, I mean it in the classic physical sense, like Mm -hmm. force times mass equals excel or excel. Force equals mass times acceleration. Mm-hmm. Sorry, damn the fire cooked my brain. <laughs> so we're <laughs> not talking about my chi blasts. No, no, we're not talking about those right now. All right, not that kind of. Power. We can talk about that later. <laughs> oh, there goes one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. But basically, you've got speed, momentum, mass. Those those are the things that produce. Mm-hmm. force right you can add things in like uh um centrifugal and centripetal force to amplify that equation but really that's basically it but how people interpret it is really fascinating to me uh and also you have to consider the psychological effect here of you know is a precision strike for certain purposes worth more than a powerful strike in some cases probably but the i th- i think I don't know. How do you train? Like, what, what do you train for? If you if you train in the beginning, you might want to train power more than precision because in the beginning of your training, you're not going to be able to be precise. And as you, as you as as you yeah. become you know further along in your art, I think it gets more precise and depends less on power. But Plus if you, you don't never... if you don't know how to generate a lot of power from the beginning, then I don't. I think you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. Plus, you never know who you're going to be up against. Yeah, well, so. might be a, might be somebody like you know, yeah, six foot two and two hundred eighty pounds, or me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not not six. Yeah. Foot so two. inherent uh, capabilities for pa- power, at least on the mass scale, are you know vastly different from one person to the next. Mm-hmm. I think we agree on that. But uh, you know, a lot of people that emphasize precision strikes in a style are are looking at things like, for instance, soft targets. So, eyeballs. God, I'm, speaking of eyeballs, I feel like I'm talking to a room of people just staring at me. We are. Do we, we are. lose our fucking friend? Is it over? Uh, Put your arms up and we'll stare your armpits, too. Okay, that's just weird. <laughs> I'm kind of excited, though. But, you know, obviously, if you can land a strike on the eyes, the nose, the throat, um, nerve growing. centers. The growing. The groin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the heat just kicked on. Damn, that's your mic making all that noise. <laughs> no, that is um, the growing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> there go my notes. <laughs> okay, power versus precision. People, okay, you got, come on, uh, let's what go. What you got for me? Enlighten me. Craig, what do you think? The growing. <laughs> like the power first precision. If no, you, if I like what you said. Um, you know, to me, power and precision are, are definitely two different almost levels of progression. Mm-hmm. Um, it, power is a much more a gross skill, as in uh, it's it's easier to do, you know, you to develop at, at first. I mean, you, you do muscular building type of uh, exercises to build mm-hmm. muscle muscles build your muscles, muscles. Um, your you know spinach. learn about your speed mm-hmm. learn about your power generation working on a heavy bag working on you know whatever it might be there's tons and tons of different drills and exercises you can do because it's it's easier to do it's just they're big physical movements the the concepts are not that difficult to get um, it's just hit them hit them hard you know it's it's not that subtle whereas precision on the other hand takes time to do because you know you're going for smaller areas and and that's hard that's like uh, you know you go to the target range with a gun or whatever it is yeah you can hit something but you know getting more and more precise takes time and practice um but you can still hit something really hard i in my point of view like like what you're saying dave yeah, there's some styles that I've seen that really focus on one thing more so than the other um, to a degree. I haven't seen any style out there that there's going to be 100%, you know, all power, mm-hmm. you know, or or all precision. Um, but varying amounts in between because you only got 100% of effort or focus, you know, and, and it's how that division um, happens, you know. I've seen styles that that do it both, you know, equally well. So I don't know. Yeah, well, eventually on that continuum, some sacrifices have to be made, mm-hmm. right? Um, and a lot of arts will capitalize on that by using more precise strikes to set up advantageous advantageous positions where they can then deliver something at full power, right? You're not going fire there at all. Well, no, but that's a good example. But I won't use it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if, if you can hold somebody still, you know, and wind up your kick or your punch or whatever you're doing, then you can apply a lot more power precisely, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's also there's something very, I think, fundamental to consider here is, like, if you do a light strike... But very, very fast, right? So you're sacrificing full body motion or whatever else is going to impart a lot of power to it, Mm -hmm. any kind of wind up or, you know, anything like that, to just very lightly reach out and get something. You can injure somebody, you know? Um, But you're not going to injure them that much. You can scratch the cornea. Like, if you're attacking somebody's eyes, you can scratch the cornea. You can get a reflex out of them. Hell, if you do it hard enough, you know, if you have enough power on it, you can even get a penetration injury on the eyeball. But, you know, uh, let me just read something I pulled off a medical website. Um, uh, Hyphemas and orbital blowout fractures. A hyphema is bleeding in the anterior chamber of the eye, the space between the cornea and the iris. Orbital blowout fractures are cracks or breaks in the facial bones surrounding the eye. Hyphemas and blowout fractures are serious eye injuries in medical emergencies. They're caused by significant blood force trauma to the eye and face, such as getting hit by a bat, a baseball, a hockey stick or puck, or getting kicked in the face. Now, <laughs> that's their actual analogy right. there. Right? So, you know, of course it takes a certain amount of precision to land a kick on someone's face when they're mobile. 
Right. Uh, and even some when they're not as mobile. But, you know, the the more force, the more potential for injury you have, I think. True. No matter However, what the tactic is. When, you know, harking back to uh, our earlier mini-discussion uh, topic, the, the knockout game. Um, when you, as opposed to taking styles and saying they they mix things together you can take a single movement like an uppercut or a hook punch and mix the two together saying yeah i need to have a lot of power here but if i hit that in that sweet spot on the chin you know that's precision so you know you're not going to be able to just tap somebody and knock them out you Mm -hmm. got to have power but also if you you know come off of that a little bit instead of just 100 percent and have the right precision then you also got kind of anatomy behind you as well. That precision's going to help knock them out as well. Right, and there are obviously more sensitive spots on the human body. Mm. Um, I, for one, I don't think it follows any particular recipe of meridians or anything. I think, you know, meridians work when they lay over top of actual physical structures like nerve clusters or lymph glands that can actually react when they're struck. Mm. Um, there are things like, uh, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but commotion cortis. Which is when people are coitus, commotio, not coitus, cortis, 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 which is a common injury in baseball because the ball comes off the bat really fast and it's a hard and fairly precise instrument. Mm -hmm. When it strikes somebody, it hits them right over the heart at a certain point in the heart rhythm and it stops the heart. Pretty random chance that that could happen, though. Right, relying on that for self defense, though. Right, right. That's which is why I wouldn't accent. trust any dim mock system that says hit them right here and then they'll die in thirty six hours. I'm like, they could have killed me fifty <laughs> times in thirty six <laughs> hours or whatever. Right. <clears throat> Plus, there's no real evidence for stuff like that working. But you know, if you got lucky and you hit somebody right over the heart, then you could consider that a death point. You know. Right. Yeah. So, but I, it still has to have the force of a baseball coming off a bat. That's the other side. Well, of the I'm equation. more so referring to like you know tried and true boxing, the the tip of the chin type, you know, yeah, physical anatomy type stuff. But that everybody's see the, familiar the with. tip of the chin, basically the button. It, I, the way I understand, it anyway. Please, uh, people in the room or high out listeners, write in to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but. What most of that deals with is the nerve clusters at the base of the jaw. So you're essentially, via the use of the jawbone as part of the chain of force, you're striking a nerve cluster when you do that. Right. Or, you know, even the, uh, the, what do you call this, the the big vein, the the blood. Carotid. Carotid, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's a wonderful place you can add a little bit of power to as well, but it takes precision to get it, you know, just right, you know. Uh, and now here, what I'm thinking is is being able to mix the two power and precision into singular strikes, as opposed to classifying them stylistically. You know, well, um, as a person who doesn't have much power, I think precision becomes, um, or at least uh, an approximation of precision, becomes a lot more important because I I'm never going to try to fight with anybody. I will only try to defend, <clears throat> excuse me, ex- defend myself or protect my family. Mm-hmm. So I, I have appreciated very much my, um, the training that I have received in where things can be, you know, blows can be um, 
particularly, even if it just gives a person a flinch, that might be enough time for me to get away. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, right, to less, know where... less power could produce a reaction mm-hmm. if you hit the right spot that can give you an advantage. Exactly. So, so for me, precision has been one of my main points when I have trained because I'm not training for power really. And so precision has been important just as a, as a part of um, making sure that if I ever have a conflict of that nature, maybe I can just have, I just want the person to double over for a second or flinch even so that I can go. Yeah, you bring a, 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 an awesome uh, aspect to it is whether you have the ability to deliver the power or not, but choosing to via strategy like i know we use this in in northern shaolin i can think of instances in gabagua too where that for in thinking of combos that first move call it a faint call it whatever is very precise because you know it will draw a reaction you know thinking about either the eyes or like you guys do a lot and we do too to draw the elbows down going for those short ribs going for those soft little you know easy to break ribs mm-hmm. and you're not really going for very hard power it's the second strike that will most likely have the power right or even just setting their head in a certain place you know if you jam your thumb really good into somebody's armpit and get away with it they're going to protect that armpit a lot more and then you can the rest run of the time yeah well yeah hopefully you can break away that's me right you know and Me of course too. you, yeah, well, we're all that way, but we all want to also develop our power as much as possible within whatever more physical limitations we have, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, uh, it, it is a feedback between power and precision. I feel like a broken record. A lot of That's things are feedback precise. loops. <laughs> I, I think power is impor- is almost more important than precision because gro- like gross motor skills might be more more important because you can rely on gross motor skills more than even you when you're exhausted and even right. when you're yeah i mean I, like easier I, to do like in 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 a perfectly relaxed situation where i know it's coming i might be able to find you know somebody's xiphoid process or whatever you know <laughs> right but when when they don't want me to find it and when i'm not expecting it or their cream master muscles <laughs> you know, call I mean, back <laughs> yeah you know how am i gonna yeah, so so I need I need the maximum amount of power so I can just hit, you know. But you're good at that because you're big, and you know, like if you were my, like here I am walking through a, an empty parking lot, for example, and you, Bruce, mm-hmm. um, you want to attack me, right? Um, give me your stole his wallet. If I give you all the power I have, you're just gonna be like, whatever. Well, you're, you know you're going like, well, to hit me. where you put it. You're going to have to hit exactly. me in the right spot. Exactly. Though. So that's oh, why for me, precision comes to a point like I need to hit you somewhere hard enough. It doesn't have to be your eyeball, you know, but maybe close enough to your kidney or someplace that will hurt you just enough for for you to like go ow motherfucker you know like that that amount of time is enough time for me to go growing out you know like i'm out of here you know mm-hmm. um but i need just that second and a half and my gross motor like may or may not 
do that for you. If I, if I hit you when you're just right off kilter, I could maybe knock you over, but it's not a very good guarantee. For for me, I feel like it's better to like hit your in your kidney or something and go and for you to go ow. That might you gotta go all the way around him to reach his. Well, you never know where he's gonna be. Like a liver shot might be good too, you know. Or like you know, kidneys. um, Or you know, I I'm sorry, I like I'm I'm not that good at this, but (laughs) but uh, you know, I I just that's that's the only place I actually go. Like in my head Mm -hmm. is is like if I'm gonna get attacked and I have my children or a child with me or I'm alone. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but. I'm not going to try to barrel at a guy your size. I will not knock you over. I just won't. When I say using power, I'm not talking about being foolish, though. I'm talking about using the maximum amount of yeah. mass and delivering it at the highest rate of speed that I can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Also yeah, with the caveat you know I mean? that you yeah. don't want to overcommit yeah. in such a way that that leaves you swinging in the breeze if you should fluff a strike. True. Or, or, or to harken back to a previous episode with uh, Pittman, um, you know, you, you have to watch out. Like, you know, it's e- easier to put the most amount of power behind the easiest types of strikes. When I say easiest types of strikes, I mean physically structured um so that you don't screw up the elbow depending upon what the the you know surface is whatever yeah, the target sense. is or whatever um that type of thing you know you, you wouldn't be uh, same thing like a like quote unquote TCMA's crane type strike it's a different type of power rather than the the full muscular power you'll screw up your elbow you yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, a misguided attempt to maximize power is always trouble, you know, yes. and not only can you overcommit to something and leave yourself swinging in the breeze, you can actually connect, but not be set up structurally to absorb the power you've generated Dang. and hurt the shit out of yourself. Well, that, so that leads to another thought that I was thinking about with using too much power is being aware of the weapon that you're using to deliver the power, mm. you know, if and which is why I think it's very important to hit a heavy bag a lot. Yeah, you know? heavy bags, kicking shields, focus mitts, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, the because you you think you got all this, you know, this speedy, powerful strike, and then you know you put something that weighs a couple of hundred pounds in between the air and that strike, you know, and and you find out that wow, that really hurt me, <laughs> right? Gosh. You know. I used to use a light bag when I was practicing Taekwondo and doing all my fancy mm-hmm. kicks when I was young. And it was, it was only like a, a, I think it was a 40 pound bag. Maybe, you know, it was fairly light, mm-hmm. not, not like a heavyweight bag in a mm-hmm. gym. And I had to hang it up in my, you know, uh, my aunt and uncle's basement, but I'd go over there and I'd wail on that thing and I'd get it swinging. And I thought, oh, this is a great excuse to practice power on moving targets. And I would do a lot of that. And then of course, every once in a while I would, you know, I would, think i had it lined out and do that big jump spinning back kick and hit full extension <laughs> and snap on nothing but air out and <laughs> hyper extend your knee yeah in. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean proper structure that's that's why i think you know training with resistance not just with a partner but you know hitting a bag or hitting you know something heavy like i mean you could something use a tree or something but you need you, you need to protect yeah. your hand i mean it's not like you're hitting a bare tree with your hands i don't advise that but Greg doesn't yeah. <laughs> one, one he protects his tree before he hits it indeed 
one other aspect uh, that that I wanted to fo- touch on uh, lightly on this is uh, the aspect of control um, of power because um, that's the other aspect. It's it's easy to work on the power generation stuff like that from let's say a, a beginner or a new mm-hmm. uh, person you know training, mm-hmm. um, but then they pop into their first or second night of sparring and you know the power both from a are they afraid and you know too afraid to deliver the power thinking you know i don't want to hurt my buddy or can they not control it enough to they really do you know hurt their buddy um one of the uh, products i've seen uh you know it's been out for a while now but i'd love to see more development of this are those heavy type of bags but are shaped more like a person's body mm-hmm. um, and like a rubber this, bob or something yeah like a, i've seen yeah. a, um, a couple of grappling schools using something like that um and i, I think that's pretty awesome because it well, gets big you al's had one to, for years but it's mostly just moldy and to no, burglars <laughs> no 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 i'm talking about a full body i'm talking yeah, we, about, right. they're normally called throwing dummies i think yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's 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 I, I practice with one um with my buddies on the road and they it's it's about five foot ten and weighs about 150 pounds the mm-hmm. one we've got you know, and, yeah and it's made of the same like type of leather material that a heavy bag, bag would be yeah. made of see i like that versus the bob right style. that yeah. that helps um you know bridge the gap between an actual human being and just a heavy bag um bridging kind of the psychological yeah. gap that i see a lot of people go through sometimes they they drill the hell out of a heavy bag um, and, but then when it comes time to spar, they're, they're so afraid that they don't have a gauge. It's either all or nothing when it comes to power. And, you know, I, I don't know. That's my well, there's a whole other that. distance thing when it comes to the bag will teach you something, something about power. And with the movement of the bag, that teaches you a little bit more about placing the power. But then when you have a human being trying to place that power into an actual moving human being, it's a whole other skill, Definitely. I think. Right. And I tell you, one of the things I look for when I'm crossing hands with another martial artist, over the years, I've learned, I developed enough sensitivity that I I appreciate it when someone can hit precisely and with control, but also when they do it, you can feel the entire powertrain behind it. So Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a question of did he pull that shot or not. It's like you feel the the structure behind it. You're like, okay, that could have gone a lot worse (laughs) for me, you know? I mean, I think that you should feel that sensation softly when you're training. You know, I, I think it's important yeah, it's for that because the if you don't have, I mean, it, it trains the attacker and the defender. I think equally because if you don't have the power and structure in your strike, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not you're not giving your training partner something realistic to train with either. Right. But if, if that doesn't mean to throw it fast and hard, right. though, because then your training partner is going to be overwhelmed. And not going to be able to figure out what the hell they're doing. And you know. they're right. going to fall on the ground and be really <laughs> mad at you. And not want to train with you ever again. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the beauties of training with someone who's as well-versed in something as you are, like say, one of your peers, is that you can you can do uh, uh, applications or a pre-prescribed set of movements together, something like that. And you can feel that feedback of that power structure behind it without having to go all out. You know, it's like right. mm-hmm. if I, you know, to use an example that everybody will recognize, if I did, you know, the the carry thing, the big over the top, you know, when I drop that, mm-hmm. p- people I train with know to put their arm up and resist it too. We're not, Brace, yeah. 
Right, yeah, you know, yeah, you it's brace not just and for pretend. And that lets me practice am I dropping good structure on them cuz they'll feel if I am or I'm not, you know. Mm-hmm. And it also lets them practice or me if I'm in that position practice if I had to catch that force, how would I need to be aligned and structured and stuff like that. Um yeah, so we're going a little far off the topic, but that's okay. It was kind of a weird topic. <laughs> <laughs> Power. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sum up for myself on this one. Um, I think they're both important. I would be wary of any style that overemphasizes one versus the other. You know, oh, don't worry. You don't need a lot of power for this because you're going to touch them just so on the tip, you know, uh, right under the bridge of the nose. And and, and, and their heart's going to explode. <laughs> yeah, you need to be very wary of that. But, you know, anything that's raw power and no subtlety, you know, somebody with a lot of power and a little subtlety is going to trump that. Hulk so, smash. <laughs> right. <laughs> And in most good martial systems that I've seen, from the sporting to the traditional to the whatever, um, you wind up, if you do it long enough, with a balance. And you'll use speed and precision more when you're setting it up. And you'll use full power more when you've got it set up. When you're dropping them. When you're, when you're fairly confident that you can let go of that much of your own you know center are you your talking own. about like in a competitive setting or in like- so, competitive and self-defense i'm talking about a basic principle like uh, uh thais your uh, house of fire is a great analogy and i've used it talking to these guys off mic about this but uh think of something like uh um you know the first kick in the system you get two hands on someone before you throw the first kick yeah and it's an ankle kick Mm-hmm. And hopefully with two hands and an ankle kick on them, if you know what you're doing, you can maneuver them so that their head's in a position that you can wind up so hard that you kick yourself in the ass before you let your foot fly and throw the knock it through the goalpost kick. But if I ran up on somebody I didn't have any control on and attempted that kick, halfway through the windup, they'd probably, you know, knock me down. <laughs> but if you've got somebody controlled, then you can say, all right, Now's my chance. How much power can I generate? And it's going to be relatively precise because you're holding the person relatively still for that split I, second. I, I am still talking to three men and of three different sizes, but still <laughs> very strong, much bigger people than me. And a couple of them much bigger and one of them much, much bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, like, I, I, I know what you're talking about. And I, for the vast majority of... Man, yes, yes, go ahead. Well, honey, what did I always tell you to do if Bruce gave you any trouble? Give him a kiss on the <laughs> cheek. <laughs> Actually, what I said was stick a knife in him, but that's... <laughs> oh, no, but Bruce would never give me any done. trouble, right. though. Right like, there. That's the thing. I thought, you, right. meant, I thought right. you meant the kind of trouble that Bruce might give. Oh, yeah, like being too cuddly. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well... Uh, Fair enough. Uh, any final thoughts on this, Bruce? Yeah, I, I, d- I think that it's as you train power, you'll get better at it, and that will be refined power. You know, so yeah, P- power's you, like speed. You let it grow naturally out of proficiency rather than trying to force it. Yeah, I mean, the the saying? more yeah, the more the more efficient you get with a skill. I, you know, Beng Tuan. You know, for example, I think everybody can visualize what that looks like that is interested in Chinese martial arts, right? Yeah, just crushing you know, fist. Just, yeah, or crushing it's fist, a, yes. It's a punch coming straight uh, out. It's a, it's a fist, yeah. You know, that's, you can, you can generate a lot of power. It. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but that's a good one. Vertical punch. But in Shingy, they occasionally throw bong chuans and little sets of threes or fives or whatever without moving the feet because mm-hmm. they realize you might want to throw a flurry at somebody and not have time to fully power the strike. Mm-hmm. But the strike's not fully powered without moving your whole body. Right. I mean, it can, you can generate quite a lot of power, though, depending on how how you root from the ground with small movements of your of your lower body, I think. That, yeah. You know, but, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I still don't think without moving your whole body behind it, you're going to get everything out of it you possibly true. can. But, Craig, what do you think? Growing. Growing. <laughs> you made the heat go Kick off. Nose. <laughs> punch. Damn heat. That's right. That's right. Kick, Kick nose. nuts, punch face. No, yep. kick nose, punch balls. There you <laughs> go. Repeat as necessary. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it, it, like Ty said, too, it's going to end up being a personal thing. Um, you know, depending upon how much you have to work with, mm-hmm. um, if you want to develop a lot of power, you know, you're going to need to over a period of time. If not, um, you simply use what you have in a proper structure and add some precision. Um, know where you're going and give it what you got. You know, I mean, it's a yeah. personal thing, but I think there is a balance, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, uh, you know. We're all agreed that it's good to train them both, and mm-hmm. probably early on you want to focus more on precision than power if you're trying to develop, you know, an art over time rather mm-hmm. than learn a few self defense. I don't know. Tactics. I would say do both because precision without power, without any power, is pretty much fucking nothing. Right. Um, oh, sorry. I used the F bomb. That's can on do that point. On yeah, it, yeah. You can cuss on this. Fuck, 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 um, fuck, fuck. See, that didn't hurt <laughs> Fuck, 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 I, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, okay, if you if you Fruity are like a, a hundred and twenty pound woman who has like fairly okay musculature, like I just I'm not hundred and twenty pounds anymore. I had a baby. I'm trying to get back down there. In any case, um, um. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> Mofo B. That's alright. I'm still trying to lose my baby weight too. Um, but in any case, like, yeah, I I need some power and some precision. I feel like it's it's gotta be a combination of both because power without precision is nothing, and precision without power is nothing. Right. So I gotta be able to get away. Optimize both of them to the extent that you can. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that yeah, they're they're not. They they need each other, yeah, yeah, <laughs> quite badly. You know, power is the engine that drives it, but uh, precision is the strategy that. But if that you're really big you like succeed. you, Bruce, you could get away without precision, I think. And it, a lot of you, mass can make up to, for a yeah, little, little I've, subtlety. I've, say say, um, imagine some big football type of well, burly guy like guys, you, right? You mean I've seen them fight yeah. each other though, and punch each other over and over, and not really hurt each other. Yeah. But and and I swear if if just the the amount of power being in one of those big bear paws that they're throwing each other is incredible, but it's just hitting in the wrong spot. It's not hurting anybody. Right. And so maybe subconsciously, neither one of them really wants to hurt anyone. <laughs> that's also a big factor. I think you know. Well, I want I want to make him cringe or make him cry, Uncle, but I don't want to kill a guy. <laughs> you know, well, you, you take one of those guys and like you know. Uh, burn his child on a spit or something and see if you get the same reaction. <laughs> He'll find the soft targets, I assure you. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I went a little dark there. Growing. Growing. 
yeah. Well, all right. Jesus, we've rung this out like a rag. So, like a uh, rag. <laughs> nice sound effects. You're like that guy in Police Academy. <laughs> you were doing Jimi Hendrix earlier. Excuse me while I eat this fly. All right, we're going to slip out of the champagne lounge and turn the fire back on for a minute, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Focus. Try Focus to, your attention. Try not to rustle that paper too much. <laughs> <laughs> you can rustle this one, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, we're back. Deedly deed deed to doodly do. Craig is back with the news <laughs> from the North Pole. And Dave has got the rhymes again, I notice. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Look, I'm professional over here now. Well, no, I'm not professional. Nobody pays me to do this. I do. What are you talking about? We're getting paid in chili. Hey. Yeah, you guys are getting paid in chili. I'm getting paid in full. (laughs) Eric B. and Rick M. That's right. Yes, sir. Without the money, it's still a wish. Oh, come on, I used to roll up. This is a hold up. Ain't nothing funny? Stop smiling. Don't nothing move but the Money. Money. That's definitely going in the Because I'm righteous. <laughs> and I might just. All right. No, All right. We're going to stop that. <sighs> Good evening. California. <laughs> oh, I love that state. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I'm from there. Are you? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Casey Uscola is also from there. He is uh, a 32-year-old fellow who fought in the UFC professionally a couple times. He was recently found guilty. Of what? Battery. Oh. Yeah. His broke down. (laughs) Whap! (laughs) On a spouse or cohabitant. That's horrible. Battery with serious bodily injury and corporal injury on a spouse or cohabitant. What? I mean, he killed somebody then. No. No. Authorities say on June 15th of this past year, he assaulted the mother of his child, leaving her with a punctured lung. Eight broken Jesus. ribs, two lumbar fractures, and a life-threatening pancreas laceration. Pancreas laceration. Pancreatic? Yeah. Yes. A pancreatic laceration. Laceration of the pancreas. His sentencing is scheduled for the 14th of February. Valentine's Day. Yes, indeed. Love him up, Puscola. He also has prior domestic violence convictions. I have no love for this man. Well, I, I would be curious how the the sporting community feels about 
letting him fight again. Like, I, I wouldn't want to have a guy like that fighting. Well, he's obviously proved himself not just in the ring, but out of the ring. <laughs> Oh, God. Good Lord, have mercy on your sweet, sweet soul, Craig. It's not that sweet, I thought Ice. it was. Come on now. <laughs> Good Lord. I missed that because I don't have the headphones on. Justin Lin. Anybody familiar with this character? Who's no, Justin Lin? No, but my Lin? brother's name is Justin, too, so it's probably just the same kind of person, only um, in a Asian body. That's right. <laughs> Asshole in an Asian body. Justin Lin was number one, Justin two, number two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin Lin actually uh, was director, Fast and Furious Part 6, uh, yeah. also Annapolis. And he's also directing something coming up here, isn't he? Yes, he, he is. Shaolin Temple. Oh, mm-hmm. The original Remake. movie, the very first m- movie, uh, the oh. debut of Jet Li. Yeah, that was a great Yes, it movie. is. Oh, it's good. one of my favorites still. Mine too. Um, but he, yeah, he's making a remake of that, and he's making it in 3D. Oh, I love that. Only I hate that. Yeah. but in 3D? Uh, yeah, no wow. joke. Yeah, it's, everything has to be in 3D. But uh, the budget's going to be north of $100 million. Oh, maybe I will see it in 3D then. Yes, indeed. <laughs> So, Not uh, in this country, you won't. But oh, come on, man! <laughs> no, Why we'll I? see it. We'll wind up seeing it on Netflix. Oh, That's come how it on! I yeah, might for sure. get a chance. No, I won't. No. <laughs> but yeah, you know they're they're trying to make it a, be a big blockbuster and all that. You know, I, I love the idea of it, but the three D thing is so cheesy to me. I don't know. Well, let me go ahead and interject here because this Do is it. something I wanted to make a little media mop up portion out of. Is uh, coming soon. You know, what are you looking forward to? And that's that's one that's on my list for this year. Really? It's uh, Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, anything else? Anybody got anything else? Any movies? Yeah, movies. Movies sure. are dumb. I don't watch movies. Fuck off. <laughs> I read books. How about... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I read I books to read. too, believe me. I live. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Shanghai. No? I like yes. that one. Oh, wait, wait. I'm, no, I'm not, I, I like. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, I like the one that once upon a time in Shanghai. Once upon a time in China was excellent. Well, movie. this yeah, is following in that same mold. And um, you know what? I'm not going to belabor that. Uh, who's, who's in it? Or who's I know. I got it. For, forget it. I got a better one for oh, you. All right. Fine. Everybody's going to bite this hook. Once upon a time in Decatur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> part two. No, the raid. Part two. Oh. Berendal. Oh, uh, sounds scary. Come on, man. The trailer's out. It's looking pretty pretty oh. smoking hot. Hey, yeah. no, I imagine I there's violence. Yeah. I need to get on the internet more often. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Google it. It's your friend. Uh, <laughs> Crouching Tiger 2. Uh, yeah, Bay oh. Logan. Callback. Yeah. yeah. That'll be excellent. And I am looking forward to that. You know, it's, too, I wonder what they're going to do with the story. My, it was one of the Standing few movies that my mom tiger. has liked in the last decade. I'll say. That movie's actually more than a decade old at this point. Oh, I mean, in the last two decades. That's yeah. what I meant to say. And, you know, just to finish up, I'll throw in that I saw on Netflix streaming Ip Man, The Final Fight. You did? I didn't yeah. click that. No, yet. That one I saw. Oh, come Excellent on. movie, I thought. Really? I th- it was a lot of drama in it, but it was pretty well executed. And here's why it works as a drama with some pretty good foo in it. Without watching it with me? Yeah, honey. You don't watch movies. You're nursing babies. <laughs> Growing. Well, look, it, the older Ip Man, played by Anthony Wong. Oh, I love fantastic. Anthony Wong, yeah. 
the uh, other kung fu guy in Hong Kong that he initially runs afoul with, but winds up being his buddy, Eric Eric uh, Chang, okay. Eric Tsang, you know, right. the, with the TS. Yeah. Um, song. Song. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Choi Hark. Oh, that might be interesting. Ooh. To, to, uh, who the fuck knows? Somebody call in and tell us, people. The what? phone lines are open. 555 Vote for me. <laughs> what are you running for? But I love that guy. You know American who I'm Idol, talking about? Right? Like the, the shorty pants, little. He used to be the goofy guy in a lot of those 80s and early 90s. Shorty pants was all you had to say. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the other guy in here who played a prominent role, it was good in it, was Clubfoot. Oh, I love Clubfoot. Yeah, yeah. from the Jet Li flick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and several, yeah. his name's Shen Shen Chong or something to that effect. Nah, just <laughs> screw that. Let's, we'll just give him a Clubfoot. I got it foot. spelled out if you want to look at it. But you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But it was actually, yeah, Bruce who saw it. I, it well worth a clickety-click. On yeah, the old I enjoyed it. I thought it had some good martial arts, and, and, and as far as kung fu movies go, it was great. You know, that it, it looked great. The, yeah, great set design, yeah. and they, it was really well put together. So, big budget. They're getting really good at this shit. Yep. <laughs> I like the karate. And seeing seeing the old people uh, training, like the just the old like housewives and stuff training Wing Chun in the kitchen and you yeah, know, like, well, the were the weird subtext. Learned, uh, how did you feel about the unionization subtext there, Bruce? <laughs> were you cool with that? <laughs> you know, oh, in the wet markets and in the factory. we'll talk about the unions yeah. later in the champagne lounge. Okay, oh boy, <laughs> yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> there could be arm wrestling. <clears throat> oh, I'm really good at that too. <laughs> All right, Tice has got the arm wrestling for the win. All right, Craig, what, do you have another news item? I do, I do. Uh, oh, just yeah. one interesting piece. Um, there's an interest, you know, I, I learned. There's a mosquito right here. It's like his whole body. It's been there since summer, honey. Just leave it alone. It's not the side <laughs> his face touches. Don't worry about it. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's like the whole body, though. <laughs> It's Whole not body just a power. pop filter. It's a mosquito net, okay? <laughs> it's They've protecting never, him. Craig never has mosquitoes fly in his mouth while we're doing the podcast. He no. God. He talks so fast. <laughs> hey, precision and power, baby. That's sorry. right. <laughs> so I learned about a, a style of martial art while I was doing research uh, for the news. Uh, because there is a uh, museum, a, a showing uh, in England by Anna F.C. Smith. Um, she's self-employed artist. She's behind the exhibition Purring, Sport of the People, which will go on <clears throat> show at the Museum of Wigan Life later this month and aims to show visitors the history of clog fighting yeah. in all yeah. its gory detail. Clogs are not normally associated with vicious sports. Like the, the Dutch clogs? Looking Yes, kind of like wooden clogs, like nah, it's, it's similarly made, but made made like shoes. Actual Where shoes, I'm but familiar got... with this from, and amazingly, I am somewhat familiar with this. Yeah, because <laughs> people up in the, wouldn't uh, use wood, Yeah, people wouldn't use wooden clogs. They'd just use like work boots, basically. Yeah, huh. hard sole boots. Yeah, they have nice pair of steel toes, hard soles, and all that good stuff. And they and they get to kicking, but this innocuous looking footwear was in key. A key part of what was dubbed a martial art of the Victorian era. Clog fighting, a milltown pastime, was used in a way of setting, settling disputes 
with men squaring up face-to-face to kick the unprotected shins of their opponents with wooden and metal uh, sold clogs. <laughs> so it depended on, you know, the makers and all that good stuff. But in illegal duels, the loser was whoever who gave up first or was made to bleed first, which kind of seems silly because very quickly you'll bleed if you're kicking a shin. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but there's a, you got pants on. You're not doing it in shorts. Ah, good point. You do have a little bit of armor well, there. How much protection Denim is... coveralls are really good for protecting your shin. So you right? could cheat and wear shin guards. But um, this, this kind of art or fighting thing was big through Greater Manchester and Lancashire. was known as purring. Um what else? Uh, it's believed to have started back in the 1700s within the mining communities, and it continued pretty popularly up until about 1910. Uh, it was classed as a sport, although illegal. There were rules, and fights would be held at specific locations. Um, gambling was a part of it. They would also pay kids as lookouts. Um, so you had your full <laughs> kind of uh, gusto of an illegal underground uh, UFC type of feel, but with a little bit softer and and a weirder, uh, you know, happenstance. There. Strange. I don't know. I think it's time to slip on the shin kickers and get down to business. Had <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some serious uh, clod kicking going on right there. But yeah, I never heard of it, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, no, I really. I heard my grandfather talking about people doing purring up in the mountains where he grew up in wait, North wait, Carolina. Wait, how do you spell this? Not like like the cat. Yes, it is. Yeah, P U Yeah. Well, look, things like grappling are still alive there, too. But grappling sounds like you're going to get on the ground. No, not grappling. Grappling, where you get in a lake and you dig around in holes with your bare hands and catch a catfish half as long as your body with your bare hands. Grabble? Grabble. Grabbling. But purring sounds like you're just cuddling a kitty. Maybe you are. You could cuddle a kitty at the same time. No, it's like kicking the shit out of that cat. Well, uh... Good Lord. Well, look here, folks. We need to wrap this up because we got silly tonight, but we had a good time. Definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. But before we go, um, one little quick thing. We got a mailbag. I'm just going to go ahead and throw oh, yeah. it in here. I'm not saving them up right now. If they get pent up, they get lost, man. The universe. It sucks <laughs> the heat out of them and they disappear. So uh, this is from Young Smith. Uh, subject, hand postures and other questions. As I commented on your hand postures section... I really enjoyed that uh, podcast. The concept of finger and joint locking chin not within forms has really opened a whole new world to me. I'd spent years thinking kata and sparring was all there was to martial arts, and I am thankful I did not have a physical confrontation during that time. Note, I really like Phoenix single anger, single index finger fist for small circle joint locks within kata and forms. Is he talking about Phoenix Eye? Funong, uh, yeah. This, yeah okay. And I know exactly what he's talking about. You get something wrapped up, you basically, yeah. you make the Phoenix Eye fist and you get one of their fingers bent crosswise in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just yank Wrench. it towards you a little bit and let go and hit him with that. Up on the toes <laughs> they go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the play guitar? I was, I was thinking about, yeah. You don't want to do that so to musicians. To, no. No. That's why I always keep my hands in my pockets and just hit people with my head. Uh, yeah, second, you don't need that. Second part. Question. 
I am a new listener to your show and I enjoy it. I've only been listening to podcasts for about a year. I was a guest on the Survival Podcast, uh, which I haven't heard of, but I'm going to have to look into. And that inspired me to explore podcasts. I am making plans to host a podcast oriented to martial arts and spiritual journeys. I am hoping to wait until I can produce semi-novice sh- a semi-novice show and would appreciate some tips or ideas. I am also considering uh, doing a YouTube channel. Now, this is from Young Smith, 30 years of martial arts, commercial school for 24, prison chaplain, bouncer, reverend, lots of other stuff too. Hashtag old guy. <laughs> have fun <Nice>. with it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, just have fun with it. Look, you know, you decide how you're going to do it. There's a lot of different ways, and you can find them all on the internet now. Yeah. One thing I would say uh, is the most important thing is perseverance. Um, stick it out. Stick it out because it takes a while to figure out your pat, your patter, it, your format, and to build an audience. Uh, mm-hmm. especially loyal listeners. Yep. And we've lured in just enough that we can abuse them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Growing. And as the wife exactly. of a podcaster, yeah, stick it the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And be <laughs> Folks, pos- that's why know, I'm still here today. You, you have <laughs> She's to, actually got a gun in my head right now. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It's, I'm just it's really kidding, small. Baby. Um, it's a 380. Kill him. The gun she's talking about. Um, <laughs> just, just, just painting those walls. Keep nice. doing it because um, it, it will get better. Let your loved ones know that, and uh, you'll be fine. It'll yeah, be fun. it's fun. It's fun. And the only other thing I can really add to that is crucial if you're going to do a sound, uh, any kind of podcast or audio production then you need a soundboard because it just makes everything a lot more professional. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to wrap this up, people. Uh, thanks for listening once again, people out there in Hiya land. Hiya. 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 Happy practice. Hiya. All right, well, uh, as always, uh, Craig, you want to do it this time? Do you remember? I'd, I've forgotten. Okay, if you need to get in touch with us, you hit us up at mailbag at com. You can hit me at dave at com. blah, blah, blah. Check out our Facebook page, um, uh, tweet, uh, Google, um, tickle, whatever. Snaggle, snapple. <laughs> Please excuse me, Mr. Baby is waking up. Oh, yeah. Snatch that baby. Not by his hair, though. Just baby pick snatcher. him up gently. Comes out. Growing. <laughs> Folks. There's a big pot of chili on the stove, and I think we've earned it. I'm not sure how we earned it, but I think we have. So until next time, we will see you.
I'm Jeff Westfall for The Marshall Brain. The Last Samurai, a carefully considered rant. The Last Samurai, a 2003 film, was an enjoyable historical adventure with a good script, decent martial arts choreography, and great acting. However, as in many historical films, the history is not accurately depicted. As a matter of fact, the history is so inaccurate that it is frequently exactly backwards with the good guys depicted as bad guys, and vice versa. Here's a quick story synopsis. Captain Nathan Algren, a decorated American veteran of the Indian Wars of the late 1800s, is hired by the government of Japan to train the Japanese army in modern weapons and tactics in order to combat rebels who are engaged in an uprising against the government. Algren is wounded and captured by the rebels who nurse him back to health. He grows to admire their warrior culture and to sympathize with their cause, finally fighting alongside them in their noble but doomed rebellion. The movie begins with a voiceover in a noble-sounding, upper-class British accent, in which the narrator says that, quote, Japan was made by a handful of brave men, warriors willing to give their lives for what seems to have become a forgotten word, honor, end quote. As these solemn words are uttered, the camera pans across the landscape to settle on the rebel leader, Lord Katsumoto, seated in meditation on a hillside, overlooking some of his peasants working in the fields. These words, juxtaposed with this picture, offer an unintentional and ironic commentary on the twisted and revisionist history depicted in this film. In the mid-1860s, Meiji, the Emperor of Japan, did something that no Japanese emperor had done for many centuries he seized control of the government from the military dictator or shogun. For centuries, the emperor had been essentially a figurehead with no political power. Meiji and his advisors took back the power and began efforts to modernize Japan. The movie portrays this modernization as an attempt by ruthless capitalists among Meiji's advisors to destroy a beautiful spiritual way of life that was dedicated to discipline, honor, and being in tune with nature sort of like the story in Avatar, if you saw that movie. Of course, as with much of fiction, there are elements of truth here. Some of Meiji's advisors were budding capitalists who wanted to set themselves up to profit from Meiji's reforms, and no doubt some of them were less than savory characters. In addition, among the goals of the reformers was the abolition of the samurai class, which is depicted in the movie as following an idealized lifestyle of discipline, honor, and a love of the arts and nature. What is not made clear in the movie is that the samurai class was made up of only a very small percentage of the population and enjoyed privileges that were denied the rest of Japanese society. This was due to the caste system which was in place at the time. This system divided society into various classes or castes that froze each person into the caste into which he or she was born. Once born, there was virtually no chance of becoming a member of a different caste. The top caste, the nobility, were the samurai. Most samurai families owned land that was worked by peasants who were little more than slaves. Each member of the samurai class who had the available time to practice martial arts and the leisure time to enjoy the beauty of poetry, art, drama, calligraphy, or the tea ceremony did so on the backs of many uneducated peasants who labored 
at back-breaking manual work to such an extent that even if they had known how to practice the arts, they would not have had the equipment, time, or energy to do so. The Emperor Meiji was essentially the Abraham Lincoln of Japan. He emancipated the lower classes. By abolishing the caste system, he not only abolished the samurai caste, he abolished the peasant class and all the others, including the Eta, or untouchables, who inhabited the very lowest stratum of society. As a direct result of the reforms of the emperor, any Japanese person was free to pursue any destiny to which their talents could lead. Let's imagine a retelling of this story in a different setting, in which the Tom Cruise character is a European military advisor, not an American, and he's assisting in the training of Union troops during the American Civil War. He is wounded and captured in battle by Confederate forces. The Confederate commander, intrigued by his valor in battle and his foreign uniform, takes him to his plantation to heal from his wounds. While convalescing, the hero is struck deeply by the manly virtues and code of honor displayed by the southern aristocracy and by the bucolic natural beauty of the plantation, unsullied by the ugly coal-fired factories of the north. His impression is so profound that he joins the Confederate army to assist in their struggle against Yankee oppression. No mention is made of the multitude of African-American slaves upon whose toil the beauty and leisure of the plantation depended. There is a poignant scene in the film The Last Samurai, in which the samurai lord Katsumoto's son Nobutada is brutalized by government soldiers who humiliate him by cutting off his topknot. What is not depicted are the centuries of peasants being brutalized by samurai. It was perfectly legal for a samurai to kill one of his peasants on a whim. The soldiers in the film who humiliate Nobutada are mathematically most likely to have come from the peasant class. This doesn't make the brutality depicted in the scene forgivable, but maybe a bit more understandable. Another bit of playing fast and loose with the truth in this film is the depiction of the rebellion itself. The film shows scenes of government soldiers in modern uniforms using artillery fire, gatling guns, and formations of riflemen mowing down valiant but doomed armor-clad rebels who are wielding swords, spears, bows and arrows, and operating with medieval tactics. Modern warfare is conflated with evil, faceless industrialization. Again, there's a grain of truth here. The rebellion depicted was called the Satsuma Rebellion, and some of the rebels did indeed wield, wield swords and wear bits of armor. But the truth is that the vast majority of rebel soldiers wore uniforms so similar to those of the government troops that they had to wear armbands in order to distinguish themselves from the enemy. The truth is that most of them carried firearms, and that the rebels even had artillery units of their own. The rebellion was doomed not because the rebels' methods and equipment were outdated. They were simply vastly outnumbered. The government was able to conscript vast numbers of the newly freed peasants, many of whom were more than happy to help defeat the numerically inferior former masters. A related misleading idea that the film confers is that the Japanese were primitively unfamiliar with firearms. The truth is that firearms were introduced into Japan in 1453 by the Portuguese, more than four centuries before the events depicted in the movie. The Japanese quickly figured out how to make their own firearms, improving many features through their own ingenuity. Towards the end of a century and a half of incessant warfare, by 1590, Japanese warlords were using formations of thousands of musket-wielding troops. As a matter of fact, many historians think that at that point in history, there were more guns and better guns in Japan than anywhere else on the planet. 
The historical truth is by th that by the time of the events in this movie, there had been firearms in Japan for centuries. What had been missing for more than 250 years was warfare. Most of the guns were dusty museum pieces. Don't get me wrong. Despite his being a wackaloon Scientologist, I think Tom Cruise is an outstanding actor, and I found his portrayal of a psychologically tortured warrior to be riveting and compelling. The story of personal redemption was inspirational. I thoroughly enjoyed much of the movie. The fight scenes are ripping good. I simply didn't see why it was necessary to turn history completely on its head and falsely depict a noble character like the Emperor Meiji in a bad light simply to service a good yarn. Oh, and by the way, if not for the Emperor Meiji's abolition of the caste system, then Jigoro Kano, born a member of the merchant class, would not have been allowed to become the founder of Judo and the grandfather of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Anyway, that's how I see it. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think at my website at rpmartialarts.com. This is Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. folks we're back uh, the gong and, has sounded oh wait Bruce is no longer plugged in <laughs> hold on we're not back yet um, is there a yeah there's a doohickey <laughs> I got you doohickey growing <laughs>